Hello and welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon. And I'm Angelica. And welcome to the show. Uh, today's episode is has two parts of inspiration. A, it was on our big list we keep of episode suggestions. Anytime <laughs> you guys make a suggestion, we log it for future reference. But also last week in our episode where we talked about Brave Girls, we got a group called Papaya in the Random Game. And a lot of listeners noticed that the video we watched, they recognized it as an Oh My Girl song. So we thought we would take that synergy and do an episode about K-pop songs that are covers of other Korean songs. And specifically songs that are were formerly Korean songs, not like other like foreign acts like Shiny doing Corbin Blue. And also they had to be like actual promoted singles, not just like a performance on Immortal songs. Yes, because otherwise the parameters would be pretty wide. Yes. Because of course, like things like Immortal Song is for bands to go on and do covers of other artists. But we wanted to look for, like you said, a title track, a promoted single that had been previously promoted by a different artist. Yeah. So let's jump in on uh, the group we started with last week with the Papaya and Oh My Girl connection. Um, So before I play the clip, I will just let you know going forward for today's episode to try and illustrate these covers. I mixed the clips together of the old song and the new song. So you'll always hear the old song first and then it will mix between the two. And for some, it's way easier to tell which one is old and some of these songs are literally exactly the same so it will be fun yeah some of them are very difficult to tell the difference between and then some of them were so jarring (laughs) (laughs) so to start it off here is listen to my word slash eyeing as performed by papaya in the year 2000 and oh my girl in 2016 So as we covered last week, Papaya was a very short-lived first-gen girl group that debuted in 2000 with this song. Um, they de- they disbanded the following year. Um, but then Oh My Girl in 2017 or 2016 released a whole album of covers called Listen to My Word. Um, but their version actually features, again, a callback to last week, that reggae artist that goes by Skull does Mm -hmm. a rap on the Oh My Girl version, and he is just as embarrassing and terrible as he was 20 years ago. Yes. Uh, Yeah, he really, really is. Um, The Oh My Girl version, like we said in in last week's episode when we got this group in the random game, the Papaya version has kind of like a Tejano style to it in like the beat beat of it and the horns and and the sort of like chugging rhythm of it. 
But the Oh My Girl version really leans into the reggae vibe Like the of more it I, and... the islandy vibes of yes. the first one, but times a thousand. But times a thousand. And Skull is not in the music video, but I really, really <laughs> didn't like the Oh My Girl version. I thought it was... Oh, man, I hate that Skull guy. I really do. <laughs> yeah, it was really not fun. Um, but yeah, both versions are very, like, cutesy girl group concepts. The girls are wearing, like, little skirts and dresses and things. And I noticed when I watched the choreo video for Oh My Girl, and the original papaya choreo in true first-gen fashion is very simple. It's of just course. a couple up and down arms. And I feel like Oh My Girl took a lot of the original, like, moves from the first one, but, like, way complicated them and like did a lot more because they have a lot more members and like but they kept the spirit of the original one which i thought was neat they definitely did all right next on the list the next one is a song called be natural the original version was put out by ses in the year 2000 and it was covered by red velvet in 2014 This song originally was the second single off of SES's fourth album, which was called A Letter from Greenland. Um, And the lead single off of that album was actually also a cover, uh, but well, it was a cover for SES. Mm. (laughs) uh, This Be Natural song was an original of SES, but the title track of theirs, weirdly enough, because we're talking about covers, was a cover. It's a cycle, it's a Um, cycle. (laughs) Yeah, it's all a cycle. Um, and this did mark like a mature transition for SES because they came out, the music video is all black and white and they're wearing suits and it's kind of this like sexier like R&B song. Mm-hmm. Um, the music video is really weird for the SES one, but uh, it is a really good song. And then Red Velvet um, put it out. This is their second single. So it came out after Happiness. It features SM Rookie Taeyong um, and it only has four members. So this is pre-Yeri. Um, and the it's similar to SES. They also used this to show a more mature side of Red Velvet because they also came out in suits. It's very sexy. It's like a totally different side of the coin than happiness. Oh, yeah. Um, and they uh, actually used part of this because the Red Velvet version is a chair dance mm. and the it has like this extra intro at the beginning, which Solgi and Irene did as like pre-debut promos for the group. Ah. So this was sort of part of their like training and rotation. And it was like, a you know, the next girl, SM yes. girl group. Um, but the songs are almost identical. They're like, exactly identical. Very, yeah. When I made the clips, I laid them on top of each other exactly and the only difference is the choices of where they choose to breathe but like Mm -hmm. they didn't change I think they truly dug the same instrumental out of the computer and just did it again like it is not different and I think that's kind of fun (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really true cover. And the SES song features a rapper who is not named in the track. So I don't know who that is. And he's also in the music video. He's like in silhouette. Yeah. So you never see his face. Um, so I don't actually know. I'm assuming Taeyong does the same rap. I believe um, as that he does. Because a lot it's of... all in Korean. It doesn't include any of his signature <laughs> rap, <laughs> rap lines. Right. So. And from what I gathered in the comments of the Red Velvet, the video was or of the SES video where people saying everyone was clowning that Taeyong rap it's part of the original because I guess mm. at the time people thought that SM was just like shoving a rookie into a song for no reason oh, but the yeah, rap yeah, was yeah. always part of it <laughs> well it was it really was um yeah, I love the, I mean, the Red Velvet version is great. Like the vocals, I think, are a little bit fuller. Um, and obviously it's like mixed nicer because it's a more modern song. Um, but the choreo is really good. And toward the end, because there's only four of them, they do like a bit of a partner dance, which was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. It was so great. <laughs> All right. Next song is called Show and was originally performed by Kim Won-Joon in 1996 and again by Super Junior in 2019. So Kim Won Joon was a solo artist who debuted in 1992. Um, he had a pretty like long career, nine LPs and like four singles that all did very well. Um, he was called the original Pretty Boy. Another one of his nicknames was the Man Out of the Manga, because mm. he just like I don't know he has he was like he has a very thin face like his face is a very typical yeah. stereotypical K-pop boy face now. But he was the first one, so he was a big deal. <laughs> um, and I guess apparently I learned today that during one of his comebacks, he wore like long skirts and created like mm. a trend kerfuffle of like, ooh, look at this hot man wearing a skirt. Ooh, How? Wearing a skirt. Ooh. Um, but yeah, his version of this song show is truly this the song is truly bananas. Oh my god, it has to be seen to believed. And I don't mean listen to, I mean like you need to watch, to watch him perform it. It's <laughs> wild. Um, but it was popular. It uh, won two music show trophies and two Gaio Awards in 96. Um, these days, Wan Jun is a radio DJ. And he's married to a prosecutor and has a very cute little daughter. And they went on Return of Superman one time. Oh, cute. Um, but then the Super Junior version was on their Time Slip LP, and the music video was recorded at their Super Show concert. And the Super Junior version also includes a, like, spoken part where they say, like, thank you for supporting us through our long military service. Mm -hmm. We love you. Um, but, yeah, the Super Junior version is, like, very cheesy in the way that yeah. the song 
feels like it feels like it was supposed to be but the original one in the stages like and Halika said you have to watch them and there's so many dancers and there's a guy with long hair like shredding on the guitar and they're acting like this is the greatest rock and roll song that anyone has ever played and it's so crazy but the melody (laughs) is so light and cheesy and it's crazy and there's like this just like super long insane guitar like riff in the middle of it like instead of a bridge it's just like a sick guitar solo and the fucking lead singer and his backup dancers are jazz squaring in yes, the middle so while hard. this guy with long hair like head bangs on the guitar it's the juxtaposition is just like so silly and mm-hmm. he's wearing this like wild green suit with this like sparkly turtleneck and part of the choreo includes taking the jacket he takes, off. He has to take the jacket <laughs> off, and he's always wearing like a turtleneck or a vest with get the guns Something out. Something sleeveless, yeah. So that he can do the big arm choreo. <laughs> and they like yeah. cover the stage. There's like a part where they like do do like all the way to one side, and then like yeah. all the way to the all other the side. All the way to the other side. It's yeah. really a good time. It is, it is. Um, but the Super Junior one, like you said, it's for me, it felt more like that sort of Broadway pop yeah. of like, it feels like a spectacle. And that's yeah. what I expected the song to be when I started listening sure. to the original. <laughs> All right. This next one is a song called Sunset Glow, uh, originally released by Lee Munse in 1988 and then covered by Big Bang in 2008. Icons of Korean pop. Um, he debuted in 1978 and has like a t- huge discography, 16 albums, one of which sold 2.85 million copies in 1987. Holy um, God. So, like, everyone, so everyone in the country bought, bought that album. <laughs> Um, And his most recent album was in 2018. So he never really like, you know, slowed down or retired or like fell out of favor. He's just chugging along. Um, And Sunset Glow was the single off of his fifth album. Um, when it was time for Big Bang to cover it, YG actually asked uh, Lee Moonsei for permission before they covered it. um, And the artist's performed it together at the 2008 KBS Music Festival. So I believe Lee Munsei is also like credited as like a producer or something on the song. So um, he approved of this mm-hmm. cover. Um, and it's also, and it was really popular. Like Big Bang, of course, was already huge, but their version stayed on the Melon Top 100 for 31 <laughs> weeks, which is bananas. That's like most of a year. Like Yes, it's most of, of a year. year. <laughs> So it was huge. Um, And the song has actually been covered a few different times. It's been covered, uh, it was covered in 2004 by Shinwa on their album Winter Story. It was covered in 2007 for MC The Max's fifth album. And in 2012 by members of Teen Top for the SBS 1000 Song Challenge. Um, So 
yeah, it, it's a really popular song. People love to cover it. Um, and it's uh, it's really nice, actually. I, yeah. I liked this song. The chorus um, really soars in the original version. And, like, mm-hmm. when you watch the really old videos of him, like, young in a big sport coat, like, singing the shit out of it. And then the, like, newer videos where he's, like, a slightly older man. And he doesn't seem like an old man like some of the, like, old pop stars do. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know, it's just like a this, there's something about the way that the that the chorus just soars. But the song is actually like kind of sad. Like lyrically, it's about like being taunted by the burning sunset and your like love that you'll never get back. Mm, um, and so the <laughs> two versions they have the exact same chorus, but Big Bang wrote new raps for all the in betweens, yeah. but the theme stayed the same. Yeah, the chorus is kind of, and then like the melody of the Big Bang one, like they threw like, you know, a timely club beat underneath <laughs> it and stuff and they like really pump it up. Um, but it's kind of funny learning that the um, that the lyrics are such a bummer because this I think both versions of the song feel very cheerful. Um, the chorus itself is very cheerful and it reminded me of something that I could not put my finger on. So if anybody else thinks of something that it reminds them of, please let me know. Yeah. So Sunset Glow, there's apparently a ton of other covers of that one to check out if you like it. Um, Okay, next one on the list. This song is called Bingle Bingle or Round and Round. um, And it was originally performed by a artist named Nami in 1985. And again by Tiara in 2012. Nami was an 80s superstar. And oh, what a superstar. The videos we watched of her today, oh what a glamorous god. 80s pop star. Oh my god. Seriously, like <laughs> dripping in rhinestones and like five shades of purple on one outfit. Full chorus line behind her. Teeny tiny voice. And an even tinier hat. Tiny hat. And she does this like very silly little dance. While she does the dance. And then the background dancers are doing the opening from a chorus line. Like, (laughs) 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 it's great. It's so 80s and wonderful. Um, But this song, there was, I think I've brought it up on the show somehow before, but there was a movie in 2011 called Sunny that was about like friends growing up, girlfriends, like growing Mm -hmm. up through time. And the cast of the movie recorded this song for the soundtrack. Apparently that same year, Tiara recorded this song um, for their 2011 album instead of their single that they did put out, Cry Cry. But then they didn't put it on that album and held it and put it out as its own special single. 
Um, and yeah, the lyrics of this song, it's like a really, it's fun. It's just like fun 80s pop and that it has like such a like dramatic like storyline. And it's like the woman, she's like waiting in a rainy alley and asking this man, like, we're not close, but we're also not distant. And how long will this go around and around? And like, I'm afraid that the years will pass and we'll grow apart without ever giving this a chance. Mm. So let's not go round and round anymore. But what a cheery song. Yes, it's so <laughs> cheery. Um, yeah, the TR version is like, it's not that different, but it is very like 2011 in the like amount of sounds that they felt like they needed to put in it. Yeah, they just like, it's the same song, but with the tiara B underneath it. And then they add some like, oohs in it. Um, and honestly, I hated it. Like, <laughs> I loved the NAMI version and I was like uh, insulted that tiara <laughs> even bothered to remake it. So sorry, tiara, but I don't like your version. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Next on the list, we've got a song called Girls Generation, which was originally put out by Lee Song Chul in 1989 and then remade by Girls Generation in 2007. was originally released on a self-titled album uh, called Lee Song Chul Part 2. Um, and he actually wrote and co-produced the Girls' Generation version uh, in 2007 later and appeared with them on M Countdown uh, when the girls performed it on one of their stages. Um, the song was covered previously, like before Girls' Generation chose to make it their own. Um, it had been covered by another Korean singer whose stage name was Maya. Um, but obviously the Girls' Generation version was like absurdly like yeah. huge. And, you know, uh, I didn't really find that much information about the previous version. Just while noting, you know, you know, someone else that it exists. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Lee Song Chul and Girls' Generation members are still collaborating, which I think is cute. Um, Taeyeon and Lee Song Chul released a duet called My Love uh, on no in November of 2020. Good song. Um, Great yeah. song. Great song. Yeah, yeah. And happy to say that like Lee Sung Chul's vocals have really grown <laughs> through the years. Mm -hmm. um, some like I really tried to watch. I I tried to watch, find like live performances, and sometimes the live vocals were just like not quite there. <laughs> um, but this is a really fun song. Like I love the original version. He like rocks out with like a tambourine, mm -hmm. um, and it's a really it's a really like. It's just a really fun, like, high-energy song. And then I really liked that the Girls' Generation version kept 
the sort of rock feeling of mm-hmm. it. They didn't turn it into a into a pop song in the sense that like the driving guitar, I think, is still the main like focus of the instruments. Mm. Um, and then in the music video, of course, the girls are like pretending to play the instruments as well. Um, they have them like sitting at the drums and stuff. And I just were like, do any of these girls actually play these <laughs> instruments? Um, but it is a really good cover. I think it's like a really good. Uh, it's not really a, a rearrangement, but I think it's a really good cover. The girls sound really great on it, and they keep the energy of the song. Um, and the choreo is fun. For sure. Yeah. Um, I looked up the lyrics of this song because somebody had commented somewhere, like had said that Girls' Generation covered it ironically, like with quotes. And I was like, why would it be ironic? What's the song about? And I still don't know why they thought it was ironic. ironic. But here's what the song is about. The lyrics are, it starts with, that grabby person grabbed me and kissed me today. I don't know whether to be happy or mad. Please don't make fun of me because I'm young and inexperienced. And that's what, that's what the song is about. So I don't, I don't know why that would be ironic, but. That's what the song is about. Yeah, that doesn't really (laughs) seem like irony in covering it, but that's an interesting Mm, premise I guess for the song um because does that mean that the original guy is saying that a girl grabbed him and kissed him and he feels weird about it and that's why it's a girl's generation because these girls be grabbing you and kissing you now I don't know or (laughs) was the rest of the song sort of more like like he's singing from the perspective perspective of a girl and this is like the gener like the problems that the girls generation are dealing with today yeah i don't know but it definitely doesn't seem like the kind of song that would be about dubious consent right (laughs) because it seems like a song that's like really happy and like girls around the world yes yeah girls generation and like oh no it's about like maybe assault (laughs) or like harassment what a bummer weird Uh, what a fucking bummer Sorry, I always have to look up the lyrics. It's important. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's good that you did. But also, I feel like that's a trend now for these songs to have these like really catchy, fun melodies, and then the lyrics are a bummer. Yeah, for sure. The 80s. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, staying in the 80s. Next song is called Last Night Story, and it was originally performed by Sobang Cha in 1988. And then again by Miss IU in 2017. <laughs> So Sobang Cha, which means fire truck, um, 
was technically the first K-pop group and that they were three dancing boys. Um, but they debuted in 1987 before Sotaiji. But I guess Sotaiji gets all the credit because he stole from black American artists and therefore was legit. <laughs> um, but these guys actually, I found out when reading their Korean Wikipedia, were heavily criticized when they debuted because at the time there was a three-member Japanese boy group with like the same concept mm. called Boys College. Oh. So everyone was like, we don't rip off Japanese things around here. But they were popular, um, but they like had they had a member change very quickly, and by 2000 they were done. By 2000 they were done. By 1990, I thought they were done. Oh, 1990. Excuse me, I was trying, yeah. I was giving it two years, but I was it was the oh, 80s. Yes. <laughs> they had a member change very quickly, and their popularity fell. And by 90 they were done. I did see on their Korean Wikipedia that they like reunited like 15 mm-hmm. years later and did some more things. Um, but yeah, really fun, Sobang Cha. And then IU has actually released two full albums of covers. They're called A Flower Bookmark, part one and two. They came out in 2014 and 2017. This is from the 2017 album. And then IU's version like really plays up the kind of like 60s-ness of the drums in the original. Mm-hmm. And then it just feels like a girl groupy doo-woppy song. Yeah. Um, and she looks like Audrey Hepburn in the video. And she has these little boys with sunglasses, like doing like the single ladies dance behind her. And it's such a good time. I love this IU song. I didn't know that this was a cover before we, until fairly recently. Um, but the, cause this was one of the first IU songs I remember like seeing and really hearing. And it's the first IU song I ever bought. And mm. it's my favorite IU music video. So like, I love IU's version of this. I love all of the little like, mm's, mm, mm, mm. I love it. Mm. And then the little, like in the background where she just goes, Ah, like she has like the little she adds all of these little vocals to the back that unlike the little ooze that tiara added like these i thought actually worked with the vibe of the song i love the like 60s um like you said the 60s doo-wop sound and the everything about the music video is very stylized and tells like a really great story um and i think fits unlike some of the other ones, fits the content of these lyrics. Right, because this is a song that, again, tells a story. And the story is, last night at that party, I decided that I don't like you anymore because you were dancing with my friends and you didn't even notice me. And I'm so sulky and crushed. Um, And I think it's funny that in the original version, I feel like they're kind of doing like a deadpan, like staccato delivery of it. And Mm -hmm. IU is doing a very pouty version of it. Like you can hear her pouting because she's so devastated about how you treated her last night. Um, So it's fun. The first one is like they're both very cheeky and like different reason for like different reasons. And it's just Mm -hmm. a good song. Yeah, it is a great song. I I honestly like both of these versions. All right. Our next song is called... uh, the original version is called The Beauty, and it was released by Shin Jong-hyun in 1974. And it was remade by the Wonder Girls in 2011, and it was retitled Me In. Me In. 
So, we are going to take a mini history lesson Yay, here. I love these. <laughs> Me too. Uh, because Shin Jong-hyun is a big freaking deal. And you should know who he is. We've already talked about who he is on this show before, right? Shannon, you said that you brought him up in the punk episode. Yes, when we were talking about the history of rock, and I believe also in possibly the Ministry of Culture episode where we were talking Mm. about, you know, how rock music used to be illegal. This is like the main figure of that whole story. Yes, and the beauty is one of his most popular songs. So, um... Shin Jong-hyun, like I said, it was known as the godfather of rock uh, in Korea, and he was known for forming the first rock band in Korea, which was called Ad 4 in 1962. Uh, and then he be- sort of be- made a name for himself um, as being a pioneer of psychedelic rock in the 60s and 70s. Um, his most famous song is called Beautiful Rivers and Mountains, and he released it in 1972. Uh, and this song was a protest of the military dictatorship under Park Chung-hee. So uh, the story behind this song is kind of interesting because Shin Jong-hyun was actually ordered by the president's office to write a song praising Park Chung-hee. Originally, it was phrased as an ask, as a request, and he turned it down and then was told, this isn't a request. Right. So rather than writing a song praising a dictator he opposed, he wrote a 10-minute song praising the beauty of South Korea. And in response, the police confiscated his guitars and would Every once, periodically, stop him on the street and cut his hair because his long hairstyle was banned at the time. Um, But they didn't arrest him. They just harassed him uh, because technically he didn't do anything illegal. And so two years later, he actually went on to release a self-titled album with a new band. um, And that sold over one million copies. And that is the album that this song, The Beauty, is off of. Right after this album was released, which was very popular, and this song it's, was very popular as well, mm-hmm. Shin Jong-hyun was arrested in 1975 for marijuana possession. Even though marijuana was not technically illegal in South Korea at the time, um, he was, I suppose, brought in because he had given it to a friend of the president's son. And so whatever, I guess they accused him of being a drug dealer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was imprisoned and tortured and then transferred to a psychiatric facility um, for a while. And then after he was released, he was banned from performing until the president was assassinated in 1979. Um, after which he said, quote, God took Park and opted to save me, which I think is a really Ah, fu- <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck you, Park Chung-hee, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, obviously this guy has yeah. every reason to hate you. Um, and I just think that's such a badass quote. But yeah. <laughs> After he was finally able to, um, after this ban was lifted, um, he did not dive right back into being a songwriter and a performing artist because he claimed that the the music scene had shifted and he didn't really like the, um, the, what's the word that I'm looking for? The 
landscape of the Korean music scene at the time. He said that they had sort of moved away from the like psychedelic soul searching sort of rock and roll in favor of a more like cookie cutter, like sort of candy coated pop, which was something he didn't want. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead he worked as a songwriter for other people and he worked as a producer um, and he owned several music clubs, one of which what he named Woodstock. <laughs> so Seoul had its own Woodstock. Um, he officially retired from the music scene in 2006. Um, although I think he can't, he has come out of retirement a few times to perform uh, in different spaces. One of which was the Hollywood bowl uh, in 2008. Um, But in 2010, he became the first Asian musician and only sixth musician ever to receive a Fender Custom Shop Tribute Series guitar. Uh, The other six are Eric, or the other five, are Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Eddie Van Halen, a Swedish singer whose name I will butcher, uh, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. So high class company for him to be a part of. Um, In 2011, a Seattle-based record label called A Light in the Attic started pressing his albums in the U.S. Um, and the Beautiful Rivers and Mountains, the album that this song is off of, was his first global release. Uh-huh. And in 2017, uh, the Berklee College of Music gave him an honorary doctorate of music. So he's still continue. He's still alive as of this recording, and uh, he is still being honored and recognized for his work. Um, but the song "The Beauty" was originally banned because after he was arrested, right? He was arrested right after the song came out, mm-hmm. and so, like I said, the song itself was banned from 1975 to 1987. Even after uh, he his ban on performing, right? Because he was banned from performing until 1979. But this song was banned from being played publicly until 1987 because of this line where some people could have interpreted it as referencing um, a presidential term limit. And so because of that, it was like, you know, labeled as being political. Although many other people were like, there are other interpretations you can have of that line and it was never confirmed. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's a bit of the history of this song and a that's, bit of the history of this guy. That's who great we need to know. Thank you so much for compiling <laughs> all of that. That's that's so interesting, and I feel like it's come up on this show quite a few times. Like the impact of Park Chung Hee on like mm-hmm. everything, including entertainment, and yeah. how long it took for a lot of that stuff to be overturned. Like we've talked about, like the Japanese stuff took forever and like the Mm -hmm. trot songs that they hated. Like there were so many things that got banned during this time period. And then it took a really long time for them to be like unbanned. Um, Yeah. And I think we've like, we brought it up in the ministry of K-pop episode. Like this obviously affected and shaped then like the way that the government takes a role in the entertainment industry now. Right. And like that push to, uh, accumulate the soft power like um that has totally come from this dictatorship that they were under afterwards so it's always really fascinating to add like cultural historical context because obviously we're dealing with not just a music industry but a society that does not exist in a bubble um so it's all i love learning about the history of those things yeah um and i know you do too <laughs> But so the Wonder Girls covered uh, this song, The Beauty, on their 2011 album, 
Wonder World, but it's actually not a direct cover. It is a uh, sample. It's more of a sample because the verses, um, this album was the first one that sort of started to involve the members in the songwriting process. And uh, Yeon and Yubin wrote and produced Me In which is me comma in, which samples the beauty in the chorus. And they made sure to credit uh, um, Shin Jung-hyun as a writer and a producer of the track, although I don't think he was actually involved in their version. They just credited him for the sample itself Um, because they do use the the chorus and they use the full chorus, which is uh, like, I think the most iconic part of the song. It's very recognizable. Um, but yeah, I don't, I gotta be honest, like, I do think I prefer the, um, Oh, the original, original. is untouchable. <laughs> it's untouchable. Yes, untouchable. It's like a perfect <laughs> fucking 70s psychedelic rock song. Like, it's everything that you want out of it. Like, it's a perfect song. There's a reason yeah. that it made the government so mad and sold all these copies and people are still printing it today. It's a great song. Yeah, especially when you listen to it. And like if you've listened to, you know, a lot of our different episodes, you've listened to the, our, our Trot episode, you'll hear that like signature Korean warble in the vocals of this original song. And that's what I think makes the song so cool. Because if you take out the vocals or had a maybe someone who wasn't Korean singing it, you would, I think, have just like a tip typical 70s psychedelic rock song Mm -hmm. but then when you add that in it makes it so distinctly Korean um that I think it like I really adds a nice um flavor to it or whatever to use a poor choice of words maybe um but the Wonder Girls version makes it like a grittier sounding rock song yes and instead of because they don't have somebody to play to shred on the guitar they sing the na 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 na's yeah. instead of it being yeah. <laughs> so that changes it a little bit but i thought it like speaking of girls playing fake instruments i noticed when watching the performance of this this is before the wonder girls learned to play instruments so there's this very embarrassing thing at the end of these stages where they all have an electric guitar and just go like like pretend to play it as like a dance it's very it it doesn't look cool it doesn't look cool (laughs) at all i literally just wrote guitars as props sad face in my note (laughs) because it made me sad especially knowing that like the wonder girls go on to actually play instruments and like i don't know if any of them knew how to play the guitar already at the this point in time but right Oh my God, it was embarrassing. Like just a bad choice. You can't have all of them. Like you can't yes. have five people with a lead with a lead guitar. Like that's not how bands work. Yeah, there's only one guitar sound. Like I'm not stupid. Don't show me five guitars. That just makes me think you think I'm yeah. dumb and I don't like that. Yeah, and like <laughs> only one of those girls was actually good at pretending to play the guitar. So <laughs> just, just give it to one of them and let her play. Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> um, great. So that's the beauty and me in. All right. Next on the list. This song is called Love Equation and was originally performed by a group called REF in 1995 and then again by VIX in 2015. <laughs> Hey, 
ยังพอวงหักอนาสักคู่และพูดกี่นาก่อนการถึงจะแต่ละโชคชมมาค่าแม่ฮานเสือทุกทีสุดแค่แต่ลิมโดโมเรนเย่แบดนัก So REF was a three-member boy group. Um, their original name stood for Rave Effect because they wanted to make rave music. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that two years after this song came out, they changed their name to Rough Easy Flavor, and all of those words are spelled in a stupid way. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Um, yes, they changed it because they wanted to be a, they wanted to go in a hip hop direction. Yes, um, but their version of this song is usually called "Farewell Formula," and then the Vix one is "Love Equation." Those are like opposite mm-hmm. things, but yes, um, the Vix ver or the original one, to my absolute shock and awe, was number one on the Gaon chart for four weeks in 1995, and one. A bond sang for this group at the Golden Discs that year, and the reason I am shocked is because you just heard that clip, and my first note when I heard this song is, "Holy shit! Why were people allowed to be such bad singers? Like, I'm truly floored. Like, this song is flat. How did this play on the radio and people not be like, 'No, my ears! Like, it sounds terrible. I don't understand.'" <laughs> It's so bad. It's so bad. And in the video of it that I found, there is not one moment where the where any of the vocalists' mouths line up with the lyrics. So it, I don't even know what song they were actually performing on that stage, but it may very well not have been this one because whatever audio was <laughs> attached to that video, it did not match. It was... Oh my gosh. This, they were like a fake boy band out of a movie. They seemed like a fake boy band out of the movie because there were three guys and two of them at time of debut were 23 and then one of them was 31 and not anything against 31 year olds. I'm older than that now, but I'm just saying he looked it yes. plus some. He has like a pencil, like a the kind of goatee that looks like it was drawn on with a pencil. It's so lying yeah. thin and he looks so much older than the other two. It's crazy how much older he looks than the other two and then like the one main one is like very skinny but like always has his like very skinny arms out and then the other one has flippy hair and they wear sunglasses and I was like this is ridiculous yeah I originally wrote like they they seem like a Korean du jour but then I crossed Mm -hmm. it out because I was like you know what du jour was way better than this (laughs) so and I wrote sorry du jour (laughs) but thankfully better than this the Vix version oh. is so pleasant. If, oh as God. you heard in the clip just now, the transition between the two is night and day. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, bom- a cooling balm <laughs> in comparison. <laughs> um, so the Vix version has an original rap written by Ravi, and this was the title track on their quote unquote remake album that they made called Boys Record. Um, but the, our info showed that Ravi and Leo wrote the other songs on the album, but maybe that was just a crediting mishap, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't find anything to confirm or deny the fact that the rest of the songs were also covers. Um, But the Vix version was an all kill on music shows and they got their first triple crown on the show for it. And this song is what Vix used to enter the Chinese Taiwanese market with a Chinese version of this song. And yeah, the Vix version is just so much nicer. Oh, it's lovely. It really is. Like they they keep the same um 
Well, they actually sort of tame and like modernize the club, the club beat, but they keep the main melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rapping is just like so much better. And the vocals are just beautiful. Like there's, it's like, like you said, night and day. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but you and I both in listening to this immediately noticed that the melody is just a hair different from another song, which after like I, Literally had to think of it and like sang it to myself. And then the reason I knew what it was is because I saw in my head the choreography. <laughs> I saw the shuffle and I was like, I know it's an Astro song. And so I just looked through all their music videos and I was like, or their dance practices. And I was like, I know they're not wearing that when they shuffle. I know they're not wearing that when they shuffle. And I was like, <laughs> anyway, it's hide and seek. The song is hide and seek by Astro. They're yeah, very, very, very similar. similar melodies. Very similar. Um, all right, take it away with our last uh, cover our on the list. Final cover is called Fairy of Shampoo. And it, yes, you heard that correctly. Fairy of Shampoo. Uh, it was originally put out by a group called Salt and Light in 1990. And then it was covered by TXT in 2020. <laughs> song came out after there was this brief wave of city pop that got popular in the late 80s um, and so Salt and Light sort of hopped onto that train um, for their first studio album um, and were very popular like people liked this album a lot um, although I saw a lot of articles referring to them as more of a jazz fusion group which I think yeah, they're like a they real band a lot of jazz. they yeah. like actually are playing instruments yes they are playing all of the instruments um and it's just a uh it's a really nice song but it's based off of a 1987 poem called the shampoo fairy which is about a young man who falls in love with a woman from a shampoo commercial um so it's just kind of like a fun uh light-hearted like city pop song Mm -hmm. and i saw like some people in the comments saying they're like oh this sounds like elevator music or whatever um and yeah that's kind of brothers song it's a fucking doobie brothers song (laughs) it's Christopher Cross and I'm obsessed I love it it's my exact favorite genre of like early 80s music late 70s early 80s music I know it came out in 1990 but I'm saying it's still it's the right it fits that yeah 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 it doesn't it's not a 90s sound at all for sure um there's like great synths in it and there's this like amazing hollow it's not it doesn't sound like a flute it sounds more like a pipe Mm -hmm. um of some kind and the like vocals are a little bit flat sometimes but it's still a really good song um and it's was covered a few times before TXT actually um it gained more popularity when it was used for an OST a little bit after it was released and it's also been covered by Lee Sung Chul who is the original artist of Girls Generation we just talked about him it was covered by Hwasa and it's also covered by a group called Dick Punks <laughs> every time I see their name somewhere I can't believe that they are like a lot that's like, really their how name how do they get away with that 
And they went on immor- on I'm on Immortal Songs and they did this song with their fucking band name Dick Punks. <laughs> and they said, "Next up, it's Dick Punks." <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> But then in 2020, TXT put out this song. Uh, Yeonjun helped produce the cover and wrote a rap uh, that they put into it. The original does not have a rap. Um, and the arrangement is actually, I feel like this is one of the only covers where we have like a real different take on the original song. Um, I think a lot of the covers that we heard in this episode stayed pretty true to the original material. Um, but this one, like it makes it a little bit dreamier and a little bit more of like a ballad. It has really echoey like pianos and chimes and this like amazing horn yeah just like such pretty harmonies it really oh i love that i mean i really liked the original version and txt's version is so lovely yes txt's version is great it's extremely long which is really fun and um, (laughs) their songs always are and i love like the way that i was saying that the 90s version sounds dated in a way that i enjoy the TXT version somehow manages to sound even more dated because that very specific horn they use is mm-hmm. in like every Carpenter song. And it just like, it's a very like 70s Muppet show horn and like having that. And yeah, it is dreamier. And when I was mixing the clips, I noticed that TXT sort of like takes a few um, liberties with tempo or like dragging Mm -hmm. out certain lines and they of course have choreo for it and there's coat flicks in the choreo and coat i love coat choreography and so does txt (laughs) (laughs) yeah so both of them are great great song great song fairy of shampoo all right those are our 10 our 10 uh covers remade from the past um, and I hope that you enjoyed them and maybe found some weird old music to listen to. This was really fun because this combined my like favorite elements of this show of a like weird old some weird old history combined mm-hmm. with new K-pop. That's my favorite. Yeah, right. This was the best of both worlds. Um, and we know that these were only 10 songs, right? We just chose a few. This is not a comprehensive list. <laughs> so please don't come at us saying you didn't talk about this one. Yeah, we know. We chose 10. No. Please accept that. <laughs> like them. Take in these. This is 20 whole songs. We're just trying not to overwhelm you. Just take it in. Take it in. Um, <laughs> all right. We'll be right back with our random game. All right. We're back. And I guess the random game generator heard us talking about guitars. And it was like, would you like a band this week? So we got a band this week. Yeah. Um, they're called Lunafly. All one word. And this was originally a three-member boy band that debuted under Nega Network in 2012. And Brown Eyed Girls was their, like, big sister group. So, like, mm-hmm. that's the K-pop connection there. Yes. The uh, leader of the Brown Eyed Girls, Jaya, actually made the like unofficial announcement that they mm. were going to debut. She posted a photo of uh, the three members on her Twitter saying like, oh, these are our like junior group. They're going to debut. Like, you're going to love them, right? Um, and didn't release any kind of official information, but just like put out the photo. And the netizens were really excited, hoping that they would bring like the same kind of vocal quality that the brown eyed girls did yeah 
Um, so what are some interesting things about Lunafly? So one of the members, the like leader, Sam, is half British mm-hmm. and his name is Sam Carter. That's the <laughs> most white boy K-pop name I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like they had the intention of having an international appeal um, because their debut album, they released it on iTunes Worldwide. Uh, It was called Superhero, and it has two tracks, which are both in English. um, And the purpose of that was for international fans to be able to fully appreciate it. Um, And it seems like their company invested a lot of money in them as well, like for their uh, debut music video which was called How Nice It Would Be. They reportedly paid or invested 150 million won uh, into this debut, which is a lot for a rookie group. Um, But they were pretty positively received. And I've seen in a few different instances a lot of praise for their vocals. So I'm excited to um, to hear what they sound like. But the most interesting thing I could see was that not only have they toured a lot, because they don't have a big discography. They only have two full-length studio albums, one EP, and nine singles. But they have gone on two world tours, one of which a sold-out Latin American tour where they visited Mexico, uh, Guatemala, Peru, Brazil, and Costa Rica. And then they also went on a European tour where they stopped in Portugal, France, Romania, and Italy. And both of these tours were crowdfunded um, through this partnership with My Music Taste, which is a concert crowdfunding platform. So they clearly had very uh, passionate and dedicated fans because which are called lukies we learned yes what does it stand for again it stands for luna flies kingdom is eternal cute yeah um yeah but i guess that the original third member of uh luna fly teo left in 2015 and so the company added two more boys and said that they were going to be Lunafly Reborn. But then those two boys left immediately. So Sam and Yoon, who've been there since the beginning, like that's all that there was of Lunafly. Um, they don't seem to have done anything since 2015 or 16. We couldn't find any more. Um, but I wonder if they're still doing things, if they are still are as good as everyone says that they were. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. Um, and they like we like you just said, we couldn't really find a lot of recent information. So I don't even know if they ever officially disbanded or if they are still together as a duo. Um, but I am intrigued to watch this music video we're about to watch because it's from an album called Hermosos Recuerdos, which means beautiful memories in Spanish. And the song the title of the song is Quiero Besarte, which means I want to kiss you. Uh, and so I'm wondering if a I'm wondering if the song is in Spanish and B I'm wondering if a lot of the other songs of the off of this album are in Spanish because this was released right around the time they went on their Latin American tour so obviously it was for their Latin American fans sure but I I am I can't wait I love it when K-pop is in Spanish okay great <laughs> all right so let's let's check out this MV three two one go all right, we're on a beach. It looks like there's just two of them in this. 
Uh, we didn't mention this, but Lunafly is a group that writes and self-composes their music. I guess that's redundant. They write their own music. It is in Spanish. Yes. Parts of it are. I haven't been listening to all of the lyrics. So far, yes. Yeah, this whole thing is in Spanish. All right. Well, there are two boys. One is blonde. One is not. They have sweaters and are on a beach. Yeah, they're just like singing directly at the camera at the beach or they're in this like slightly janky looking tour bus where like one of them is they're just like sitting and one's playing the guitar. I'm guessing the one with the the blonde one is Sam. He looks British. Yes, I would. He's wearing a beanie. So slouchy to the Kiss you Spanish version. I wonder if that means there's a Korean version of this song or if this was always the only one. Oh, I don't know. But this is fun. This is like a pleasant, lovely song and these boys are cute and they sing nice and it's a fun treat to be able to understand the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, are you having a good time? What's I am song having about? a good time. Is it about kissing? Yeah, it's about having fun in the sun with uh, a girl you want to kiss. All right. I understood that part. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, pretty vocals. They got them. Pretty, pretty vocals. <laughs> this is just, I don't know, it's just fun. It's like a One Direction song or something. Yes, it does feel like a One Direction song. I assume. Mm. I actually only know a couple of them. Yeah, but the ones that I know, they sound like this. Yeah. And the music video I know is on a beach. So that fits. This boy kind of looks like Moonbin with these sunglasses on. The bottom mm. half of his head looks like the bottom half of Moonbin's head. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Cute! So Luna Fly, quiero besarte. Well, that's fun. I wonder if they're still around. Good luck, Luna Fly, wherever you are. Yeah, they haven't posted on their official YouTube channel in three years. Okay, and all of these flan- all of these comments are in Spanish, so clearly they <laughs> that's where their love is from. Like they were very, very much very popular there. Mucho, mucho loved. <laughs> Muy populares. There we go. I swear I knew Spanish words at one point in my life, and now I can never find them. Like, they've all been replaced with Korean words. Like, back when I, in the before times, 
the gas, the lady at the gas station would always speak in Spanish to me. And one time I like tried to say like gracias back. And I said, cantamida. Because like <laughs> my brain is just replaced any yeah. words I used to know. It's okay. It's a valiant effort. Yeah. <laughs> Wade speaks Spanish, so at least somebody does in this house. See, that's nice. Yeah, you can tackle different languages so that no matter where you go, somebody's got you We're covered. covered. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Weekly recommendation time. Do you have something in mind? Um, Yes, I think Mara will be very upset with me if I do not recommend (laughs) uh, Jackson's latest single, which is called LMLY, Leave Me Lovin' You. Um, And this is another, you know, Team Wang cinematic universe extravaganza. Um, It's a super fantastic 80s song. Speaking of 80s songs that are bops but bummers. Um, Yes. This this one. Um, It's fully in English so you can understand the lyrics. It uh, it says, don't leave me loving you. If you're out of this when I'm all in, uh, I need a warning. So it's basically saying, like, I really like you, but if you're not invested in this then you need to tell me um and the music video is great like jackson by jackson wang compose all of etc jackson um, by jackson he, by jackson mark jacobs by for jackson, jackson design. yes exactly <laughs> um and he said recently in this interview that i watched that it te- it comes after the pretty please music video Mm. in the universe because he's wearing the same outfit a t-shirt and jeans um but my analysis of the wang cinematic universe i think it doesn't make sense for it to come afterward because the pretty please lady is his 100 ways soulmate lady and the love me leave me loving you lady doesn't pick him so it wouldn't make sense for him to find his soulmate only to then spend presumably a very long time falling for this chick who doesn't fall for him Mm -hmm. because we see her like get a boyfriend and then get married in the music video so like time passes in the music video sure um and it makes way more sense for his sad broke like brokenhearted butt to go from leave me loving you into the pretty yes because at the beginning of pretty please he's like bummed out and his bros are like having a good time at the restaurant he's like and he's like pouting and watching tv and then he sees this lady and like and it invigorates him to live again (laughs) and so i think it makes much more sense i agree you know what do i know i don't work for team wang yet (laughs) (laughs) wonderful i love it it's really good yes everyone watch it big just really great swayze zephron energy from mr jackson wang in his little jeans and it's tucked in his tucked in t-shirt and his like i his jackson hair (laughs) yes and like his weird tattoos they're so weird he's He's so so silly He did a um, Wired autocomplete interview where they, like, ask the, you know, those where you just, like, type in, like, what does Jackson Jackson Wang? Wang? And then they, like, let the questions, like, fill out. And it was great because most of it is just him, like, shading the questions. (laughs) Like, who would ask this? Um, And he has a lot of great attitude and it's very fun. So I recommend that as well. Any of his promotional materials. Everything and anything Jackson Wang. Team Wang, all the way. <laughs> Great. 
Um, my recommendation is very broadly for the new IU album, Lilac. Um, this is her first full studio album in almost four years, and she's doing music shows for the first time in four years, and the album is perfect. It's perfect. I don't know. I mean, not that I expected less, but it's perfect. Yeah, it's fantastic. She even put out a dance practice for the song Lilac, which is like, when does IU put out dance practices? Yeah, it's a great time. I learned Lilac over the weekend, and I'll probably teach it to the Patreon someday because it's like a very fun. Because IU is not a dancer, but -hmm. it's fun when IU dances occasionally. So I feel like it's a kind of dance that I could teach to a beginner, and you would probably have a good time. 100%. So that's great. The whole thing is great and the stages and the dances and everything. But if I have to make a singular recommendation, there is one song on the album that is called Ap, and it was co-written by uh, Lee Chan-hyuk from Akmu. Um, so like every Akmu song, it has very clever lyrics and she like repeats a lot of consonants because the song is like metaphorically about like swimming and like surfing through life. And then like in the chorus, she's like, uh, uh, oh, I'm drowning. Like it's just a struggling. It like, it's cute. Mm -hmm. But the way that she like over pronounces every single syllable and they like bounce between them. It's just so fucking fun. It's so fun. So if I have to pick a favorite song off the album, I'll pick that one to start That's there. But you should too. listen to the whole thing. Agree. <laughs> I second that recommendation. And I know you song somewhere thirds it. Yeah, he does. I feel it. <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> I feel him in this chilies tonight. All right. That is it for this week. Um, if you would like to get in contact with us, we can be found at AMA K-pop pod on Twitter and Instagram on the profiles of those things. There is a link tree that has the links to all these things like our YouTube, where there will be a playlist for this episode, our Spotify, where we do Spotify playlists, our phone number, which is one eight one AMA K-pop five, our PO box. P.O. Box 26096, Los Angeles, California, 90026. And those are the places that we are found. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. I just posted our March episode, and it is a shiny Don't Call Me stage outfit spotlight. It is two hours long. So please know if you sign up for our Patreon, we are delivering the content. <laughs> All our Patreon episodes are long AF because we're making sure you get what you pay for. So check that out. Yeah, most of them are like twice as long as a normal episode, but you paid for it. So there you go. I also realized that we have now put out a stage outfit spotlight every three months. So I think that has to be, we do like stage outfit spotlight, three months go by new stage outfit spotlight so i think that has to be our pattern so patreons patrons (laughs) just be aware you're gonna get a lot of those (laughs) yeah so we hope you like them (laughs) um and also uh season tier patrons look out because uh song battle episode soon yes please be aware um all right that's all for now We'll be back next week with something fun. Thank you for stopping by and listening. We love you guys. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Jonghyun, you're our inspiration. Bye.